podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Lord Almighty, I feel my temperature rising. Mm-hmm. Football fever is burning through to my soul. Yeah. Cats, 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 you're going to set me on fire. Mm-hmm. My brain is flaming, but I know just where to go. Yeah, the season's kicking off, and the bill will be a rocking. And Bosco Wonder talking purple love. Purple love. Bosco Boys. Oh, just a hunk of hunk of purple love. And just a hunk of hunk of purple love. Boom, the boys are back, and it is time for a Friday whip around. You're not going to hear me doing some intro and then kicking it to this interview. No, we're just jumping right in, and we're starting with cat chats. First, I got to say, uh i'm lucky uh, as a as the host of this podcast and i've developed a lot of great friendships last week uh coach josh buford of k-state football hopped on with me uh with very little notice this week uh again had a thought i had something for cat chats i was going to be pretty big fell through and what do i do i scramble and i ask this man to hop on with me because he's my friend and he knows what he's talking about. He is the some fancy, I, I don't even remember your new fancy title over at K-State Online, but he knows what he's doing. He covers recruiting just as good as anyone has ever covered recruiting for K-State football. And I think he has a pretty good eye for the pigskin. It is my friend, fellow Topeka cat, Drew Galloway. Although I always call myself a Topeka cat. People sign my DMs and they think I still live in Topeka. No, I just, I grew up in Topeka. I, you know, I claim Topeka as my hometown. I do live in Shawnee uh, over in Johnson County. So I don't live there. So everyone asking me for recommendations of where to watch the K-State game in Topeka. I don't have an answer for you. I just, you know what? I just, I still, I still like Topeka. It's still my hometown, but Drew, forget about that. We don't care about that. How are you doing my friend? Oh, not too bad. It's, it, the season already feels like it's flying by. It doesn't feel like it should already be week three. We speak a cat. We share the same high school, even like it's, yep. it's a good shout out, to, shout out to Washburn Rule. I think they're two and zero in football. I don't think they have any recruitable guys, but I think there might be a couple walk ons currently on the team from Washburn Rule. Or at yeah, least... they, have, they have some uh, walk on targets right now as well. Hey, there you go. There you go. Get get more Topeka cats. Uh, Here's the first wasn't on the outline, but because we keep saying Topeka cats, uh, what'd you make of Desmond Purnell's game versus Troy? I thought he had a great bounce back after, uh, you know, it wasn't a bad week one, uh, but he sure made quite a few plays versus Troy. Yeah, he was really impressive. It really popped, especially in a little bit of a rewatch that I did. I did like a sped up rewatch uh, of last week's game. He really popped, showed some flashes, but it's like you said, I, I don't think that he was necessarily bad against SEMA or even like below average 
I think that the game plan for SEMO was to try and attack K-State more on the perimeter, which was harder for the linebackers. And you saw Daniel Green didn't even record a, a tackle in that game as well. And Troy tried to play between the tackles more, which got Austin Moore, Daniel Green, and Desmond Purnell more involved. Yep. No, I, I'm right there with you. I think he's going to have a big game versus Missouri. But let's get into the reason why I had you on. Uh, again, we, we'll we talk a little bit about the game coming up on Saturday. But, you know, it goes back, you know, close to a month at this point where we had you on for Blitz Month and we talked about these two guys. Uh, we It sounds like maybe the recruitment's going to be coming up, but you have seen in uh, their high school years, I think week one and week two for both of them, uh, both Grant Bricks and Michael Boganowski. Let's talk, start with Grant Bricks. You went up there. Uh, you went up to Iowa uh, last week. You saw mm-hmm. him also be a drum major, pure small town high school football at its best. Um, what were your big takeaways from seeing Grant Bricks up close and personal? Um, it was nice to get to see Grant play again. It was my second time seeing him after I watched him. I was at the camp where he was offered by K-State, which was his first offer. And just to see his progression. And he's progressed and came along very, very well. He's he's much better at pass protection now, which, I mean, you only got to see him in pass pro five or six times because they they run the triple option wishbone in high school. So it, it was a little hard to judge on pass pro. The, the one thing that really just kept sticking with me throughout the game was that they were getting constantly three, four yards of carry when they ran to the right side, which is his side. But when they went to the opposite side, they wouldn't get anything, and they just kept running to the left. The, the, two, the two drives that they scored on, uh, they almost exclusively ran to Bricks' side. So, eh, I, I don't know. It was, it, was a, it was a fun weekend. I mean, I, I got there. I drove to Omaha after the game. Woke up at 4.45 in Omaha, left by 5, and got to Manhattan at like 8. So it was a long it was a long weekend. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, and also, no shade at Grant Bricks' offensive coordinator, but what are you doing, man? Come on. Uh, but but we'll, we'll go to, uh, to his recruitment. It sounds like, hey, it's getting close. We've been saying that for a while, though, but – uh, he, he is he going to make more visits? Do you think it could be popping any day? Where do you think his recruitment stands after uh, getting to go see him live? So after watching him and talking to him for a little bit, I, I don't anticipate any more visits uh, being taken from him, which that surprised me a little bit because I, I, I assume that he would at least take a few more game day visits and just kind of figure it out from there. But then you you look at like his recruitment is really kind of looking like Asa Newsom's of last year, where people thought that he would have committed by the summer and it kind of dragged out until December. I think it was the day before signing day, actually, when Asa Newsom committed. But it, it's looking like it could be any day. And I've I've been saying this for a while, so probably nobody believes me when I when I say this now. But I, I truly believe that one day, like, we could wake up and he could be committed somewhere. I mean, I, I asked him, like, uh, so are you going to do, like, a big, like, this is going to be my commitment date and I'm going to just go and announce then? He said no. He he wants to just go ahead and do it whenever he feels like. But you can also tell that he's really struggling with it. And, I mean, we all saw uh, the National On3 account, actually, 
uh, took the, a snippet out of the article that said how much he's struggling with the decision. So I wouldn't be surprised if it maybe lasts until October, November because of that. So I assume K-State's still in the mix. You know, it's gone back and forth. K-State's been there from day one. Seems like Oklahoma has made a late push. Nebraska is actually the closest place to where he's home at. Uh, is it still a three-horse race, or have two of them pulled away? Kind of what's the status of handicapping where he might end up? From from basing it off of my conversation with him, I think that K-State and Oklahoma have pulled out a little bit in front. And, and even in the last, like, two, three weeks before I went to go watch him in uh in Logan, Iowa, that there was a lot of talk about how K-State has kind of made a, another late push and people close to him have kind of realized that K-State is probably the best fit for him, not just like as a player, but culturally and everything that they've realized that K-State's probably the best fit for him. I, I think it's probably a head-to-head with K-State Oklahoma. He really values uh, how long the Oklahoma coaching staff has been coaching and not just their assistants and head coach, but even that our strength coach, he pointed out that I think this is going to be that this is Oklahoma strength coaches, like 32nd year in strength conditioning. Yep. No, that, that, that'll be one that everyone has their eyes on. Let's go a little bit closer to home. Michael Boganowski, you guys uh, watch them in their injunction cities opening overtime loss uh, to start the season but he knows how to fill up a stat sheet. Uh, what was your takeaway after seeing him live? Uh, my, my biggest takeaway, it was the first time that I'd seen him live. And the thing that really popped was his speed. Like I, I knew that he was pretty fast from watching it on tape, but his speed com- combined with his football IQ really popped. I mean, you don't get 20 tackles and score two or the three times that you touch the ball on offense without a lot of speed and high football IQ. So he, his frame also, he looked really, really good. So everything about him, I've said for a while, I think that he could be a four-star when it's all said and done, and I I still feel that way. He made a visit to Oklahoma uh, the first week. He was in Manhattan last week. Sounds like he's going to be in Lawrence on Saturday. Is it those three teams battling it out? I know he made some visits a little bit further away from home, uh, actually took some officials. Is anyone outside of those three getting involved? And is it a three-horse race, or is it another K-State-Oklahoma heads-up battle? And uh, he's just checking out KU, uh, because why not? Well, it's not this week for KU. Sorry. Next week. Next week. Next week. My apologies. Next week when they're hosting uh, BYU. My fault. KU's out in Nevada this week. My fault. Uh, so I think that it it's more K-State, Oklahoma, but KU just does keep lingering around. Um, another team that has kind of been floated out has been Florida State. I'm not sure if a visit will take place there, but Florida State has had his eye for the last uh, month or so as like a, a, a potential fourth team. Um, you haven't asked this yet, but I imagine that you're going to that his uh, he intends to be committed by the end of this month. So it, it, it's honestly so hard to tell. It, and he does a really good job of keeping everything kind of close to his vest. And he doesn't really reveal anything. 
but I, I've heard that the K-State visit went really well. I heard that they did some more unique things with him that they haven't done in the past. So we'll see where it lands. I, I, I consider him a lot more of a coin flip even than Grant Bricks. Well, it will be something to keep watching. Um, let, let's move on. And again, we don't need to go too in depth about this, but because uh, we'll have you on uh, if any of these 2025 guys uh, pop. But I was taking a look at it, you know, and, and shout out to Derek Young. He had one of those uh, awesome recruiting, uh, what's he called, recruiting scoop thing. I, I don't know. He started a thread and he, he laid everything out. And I'm not going to give away the premium stuff. But I was looking at the state of Kansas and the amount of Power 5 prospects and then also some of the high accolades some of those guys are getting across the board in these recruiting services. It came up to me, and I'm going to ask you because you're the expert, which prep class in the state of Kansas uh, would you consider to be better? You can define that however you want. This past 2023 class, which saw – like an unprecedented, like 15, maybe. I, I don't remember how many, like Division One guys, a lot of Power Five guys, or the 2025 class. Wh- which one is going to go down as the better class? Uh, so I, I really like this question when I saw this on the outline. And, and it really does come, come to what your definition of better is. Because the 2025 class is probably going to be a lot better at the top which is crazy to say because of how highly rated Avery Johnson and Dylan Edwards both ended up being. But well, if you look at Jordan Allen ended up as a yeah, four star. as well. And, and, but if you look at where uh, Andrew Babalola, Deshaun Brame, Jaden Woods, where Lincoln cure could be where uh, Julian Marks is right now that you could easily see all five of those probably being higher ranked like top like 300 400s than the 2023 class but it it's kind of like we're still waiting on the next wave of 2025 guys so we'll see if it ends up having the same amount of talent top to bottom but the top is the elite of the elite the top might be the best top that a kansas class has ever had at least going back to the uh, chris harper arthur brown year uh, because I think both those guys were five stars inside the top 100. I think that's the only time Kansas had two guys in the top 100. Um, but yeah. And I, Woods and Babalola could easily get there in 2025. Well, we, we might be seeing that multiple guys in the top 100. That'll be something to keep an eye on. All right, this is the curveball presented by Manhattan Brewing Company because you know what? You never know when something might just break in front of you and and surprise you except at Manhattan Brewing Company because when you go to Manhattan Brewing Company, you know you're going to have high-quality beer, awesome spot to sit back, relax, drink a couple pints, and you know it's the best brewery in the state of Kansas. Is this the best segue I've ever had? No, but the best beer I've yes. ever had is at Manhattan Brewing Company, the Thick Boy Stout, the best beer I have ever had. It's on. Eh, it might not be on tap. <laughs> I might have drank all of it. Um, but there is, I guarantee, your new favorite beer is waiting for you at Manhattan Brewing Company, and that is not the best segue for an ad read I've ever done. But this isn't on the outline. I was going to spring this on you right here. Who in the Big 12 this week could be on upset alert. 
Ooh. Uh, I've, I think I've already th floated this out to you a few times throughout the offseason and even a little bit this year after their first few games. I, I don't love how South Alabama is playing, but I think that they're less of a train wreck on offense than Oklahoma State is. So I, I could easily see South Alabama going to Stillwater and pulling it off. I, I just, I, I feel like a one in one game, before they figure before Oklahoma State figures it out before conference play, which they they honestly might not figure out that quarterback situation before conference play. But I feel like it before they play K State in one of the games that they play all three quarterbacks, they're gonna get they're gonna get beat. I, I just don't see it being that sustainable. And to be honest, I watched probably a quarter and a half of the Oklahoma State Arizona State game live and their offense looked terrible. It looked like it had no flow, no rhythm. And and it's not great when you go into week three and you still haven't named a starting quarterback. It, and it's also just bizarre when you look at the stats. Like, Alan Bowman played about the same amount as Rangel and uh, Gunnar Gundy. And Bowman is throwing more times or almost as many times as the other two combined. So it's like when Bowman's in, they run one kind of offense, and then when the other two are in, they run something else. I feel like at one point, they're going to get beat by doing it, and I think it's either going to be this week in South Alabama, or if they haven't picked a quarterback by next week when they go to Ames, that Iowa State might beat them. Well, there you go. You're never upset when you go to Manhattan Brewing Company. All right. Uh, that was a good tagline. Th that is good. That, that, that one's a lot better. <laughs> than what i just threw out there all right uh j just real quick what what sort of game are you expecting on saturday out in columbia i'm expecting a, a physical game because I, I i don't know how much either team particularly likes each other and, and i think that the physical the it could be really physical I, i'm expecting both offenses to kind of get in a rhythm early potentially I, I'm also expecting it to be, it's going to be a pretty good atmosphere. I mean, there's going to be a lot of K-State fans. It's a sold-out Missouri crowd. I, I'm, I'm expecting a fun game. I, I, I think that this could be a really, really fun game. Where's your score prediction for this one? Uh, so I've gone back and forth because I, I said before the season that I thought that this could be a much closer game than K-State fans might want to, like, admit and but then Missouri's kind of looked pretty bad in their first two games but but I think I'm gonna stick that it, it might be a little bit closer than K-State fans want to admit and K-State maybe pulls away at the end so I'll say 34 to 20 K-State all right 34 to 20 that that I mean that's not big enough to make me hopeful in this final question that I have for you but I think the ultimate move at the end of the game would be an Avery Johnson touchdown. Do you think there's any chance climbing and Avery do the ultimate trump card, you know, blow a little kiss to Eli Drinkwitz with a late touchdown combo, Avery Johnson getting into the end zone? So I actually have it uh, coming out. I believe that would be on uh, the day of release. So tomorrow that uh, I think, have a sneaking suspicion that since Avery didn't play against Troy, then maybe he gets in in this game. So I think that it's possible. I mean, I mean, I, Avery's too good of an athlete to not be on the field. So I, I could see there being a potential where he comes in and 
maybe he scores. They have ran Will Howard a lot near the goal line. So maybe they try to save Will Howard from getting a hit and they put Avery in near the goal line and run with him. So everything is possible. Well, that's my dream scenario. Drew, that's all I have for you in this cat chats. Um, I assume everyone can be looking for you over at K-State Online. Uh, They know where to find you on Twitter. You'll be tagged in the show. It sounds like you guys will be seeing a pretty uh, big matchup at the Kansas City Metro before you go further east to Columbia. Where will you guys be this Friday? Uh, We will will be at Mill Valley at Shawnee Mission Northwest uh, tomorrow evening to see Jaden Woods, Gus Hawkins, and uh, the new walk-on commit, uh, Tremaine. Um, hang on a second. Anyway, there's there's a walk on commit that's also at uh Blue Va- or, uh, at Mill Valley, so we'll 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 be there. Awesome. Well, be on the lookout for that. Be on the lookout for all the great uh content uh KSO will be putting out after that one, and then of course be dialed in to see and hear and read all of their great stuff over on K-State Online before, during, and after the game versus Mizzou. So that's all we have for Cat Chats. We got a great Wildcat, uh, uh, not Roundup, we have a great whip around. We have Mason Voth of K-State Online. He's about to deliver the uh, Wildcat primer. You guys are going to hear my conversation with CDOT Harrison Carrington from 610 to talk K-State Missouri from the Missouri point of view. Then we got the raspy voice kids to talk backyard brawl for big 12 game of the week. Before we kick it over to Mason, I want to give a shout out to my friends over at Charlie Hustle. It is crew neck season. You wake up, you feel that breeze coming in your window, about 50 degrees. You're about to take your dog on a walk, enjoy a nice cup of coffee. Folks, fall is in the air, and that means you need to be getting your Charlie Hustle crew next now. Doesn't matter if it's an officially licensed K-State one. That's why I'll be rocking Saturday in Columbia, Missouri, or a classic Casey Hart or something from their Arrowhead collection. I'm not kidding when I say this is the most comfortable stylish and best looking crew neck in the world. I cannot hype this up enough because you will be, I'm I'm not kidding. I have six of them in my closet. I'm getting to the point where I'm not going to wear anything except for these crew necks when I'm at home, basically until the end of March madness until April and May before I I'm going to be breaking a sweat, just walking outside. That's how much I love these crew necks. Of course, if you're not a crew neck guy, they got plenty of hoodies t-shirts they even got some sweatpants as well and also don't tell chauncey he's taking a nap he's getting a new collar from charlie hustle as well that's right they have pet accessories as well check out my friends charlie hustle today charliehustle.com vintage made fresh Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's good to be back for yet another year of Bosco's Boys Primers. 
I got a little bit of a hot streak going after last year. Went strong, although I can't remember if I did it for the Sugar Bowl. Uh, if I did, just forget that I even touched that game. Was meaningless because, as we all know, bowl games are meaningless. When you're as big of a brand as K State, sometimes you don't want to show up for your games against the little guys. Like K State didn't want to be in the Sugar Bowl last year; they had bigger dreams and aspirations. So uh, that that game doesn't matter. We're back on track now with everything else we got going on. We're focusing on 2023. The Cats getting ready for their marquee non-conference matchup on the road in Columbia for the first time since 2010. K State going to take on Missouri. This is going to be a very exciting game for K-State fans before it even hits the field. Just anybody that's going back to Columbia or will get the nostalgia of turning on uh, the TV on Saturday and seeing K-State and Missouri playing there, it's going to be one of those deals where you get all this emotion. You feel like this is how college football is supposed to be. Regional rivalries, Big 8, Big 12 action. It's perfect. It's just like Nebraska-Colorado last weekend. We're supposed to have football like this, not like what it's going to be starting next year. It's going to be a very, very fun time. Now, for K-State, they're coming into this. I think that the vibes are pretty good right now in Manhattan. I think everybody is is feeling good about this team. Everything is on this emotional high. You won the Big 12 last year. You start 2-0. You've dominated two respectable opponents based off of the position that they come from, the FCS and G5 level. Now you get a Missouri team that you blasted last year in Manhattan, and you're hoping to do the same again this year. But I will say this. I think for all the positive momentum and energy that K-State has right now, there's a little bit of antsiness to anybody outside of the program. So the players and the coaches, I don't know that they have this. Maybe they do, and they're hiding it a little bit more. But on the outside, I think fans are antsy about the offensive line underwhelming so far throughout the season and Will Howard making some uh, boneheaded decisions with throwing the football. He's been really good, but 5 to 10% of those throws he's made have been, you know, we'll be honest, they, they've not been the smartest of things, and I think it all comes from a place of being overconfident with himself and his receivers. Not necessarily the worst thing in the world to have. Will Howard just has to kind of learn how to rein that in a little bit. I think you know, the first two years, it was about trying to get Will Howard to believe in himself and do a lot of these things that took confidence. And now he went out and did it in year three. And it's about, hey, let's let's rein it in just a little bit. Get this thing put back on track. But I think that's a big deal right there. And part of that, the offensive line is one of the major storylines going into this game because K-State is a team that has two very capable running backs in Trayshawn Ward and DJ Giddens. Like they should be able to run the ball pretty darn well. And the offensive line, which was supposed to be one of the strengths of K-State's team has been pretty underwhelming and disappointing to start the year. Now, I still don't think that they've been awful. Like that is not the case. I think you would look around the sport of college football and there would be a lot of teams raising their hands saying, I would take that offensive line play the way it's been the first two games right now on my team. But the expectation is higher for the K-State offensive line because of what they've accomplished in the past and the fact that they've got such a great leader and talented leader in Cooper Beebe on the line. And also in the NIL world, if you're going to be going out and, and pimping your, your beef merch and all this other stuff and building this brand for yourself, you kind of got to live up to the hype and momentum because you know what doesn't sell t-shirts and hats? Bad offensive line play. So the Wildcats probably need to get back on board with doing some things, and maybe that happens with the return of Christian Duffy. Uh, K-State's been out without one of their starting offensive linemen to start this season. 
He returned to practice. We'll see if he's going to get any game action, but it would be a big help because, I mean, we'll, we'll just call it as it is. Carver Willis has had a tough time uh, doing things at right tackle. It's forced K-State to move Cooper Beebe inside, outside, inside, outside, doing the snip, snap, snip, snap, Michael Scott style on the offensive line, and it's not a good thing for K-State, number one, because you're having to you know force Cooper Beebe to, to work even harder than he already does. But in addition to that, it becomes apparent what you're trying to do when you move Cooper Beebe on the line, and that might work early in the game. He's, he, he played early at right tackle in the game against Troy. K-State was able to run the ball pretty well with Treshawn Ward early in that game. Got down the field, scored a touchdown off of it, and you were able to kind of establish it. But as the game wears on, you cannot be out there moving guys around because then it becomes apparent, okay, Cooper Beebe's here. This is what K-State's trying to do. He's back here. This is what they're trying to do. You can expose those weaknesses better. And the reason it's so important is because K-State, again, struggling with the run. They are facing a team in Missouri that for as laughable as their performance against K-State was last year and as, you know, what, 6-60 and as their season was a season ago, they were actually fourth best in the SEC in run defense last season. The only three teams better than them, all three teams finished inside the top ten or would have given you know the circumstances. Tennessee was the only one that fell out with Hendon Hooker after his injury. But Georgia, Tennessee, and Alabama, those were the only three run defenses that were better than Missouri's last year in the SEC. Speaking of that, the Tigers have not allowed more than 100 rushing yards this season. Actually, I think the number is under 80 that they've allowed in each game. So they've been really good against the run. Teams have not had much success doing it against K-State, and I think that is a major deal coming in this one, to this one. So honestly, if K-State can run the ball against Missouri, they will win this game. They don't have to run it even to win it, but if you see them making plays in the run game early and it feels like they are consistently getting three, four, five yards a carry, then in all likelihood, they've gone out and, and been able to take control of this game and improved upon a weakness that they've had. But... I'm not optimistic. I'm not holding my breath that that happens in this game. So that means offensively, Will Howard's got to be Will Howard, the, the Will Howard of last year that we saw. He's got to come out, be sharp, make plays, but be smart with the football. Again, Missouri, not like some world beater, but as they showed last year, they can hang with a team if you give them the opportunity. I mean, it wasn't until four minutes left that Georgia went on the road and won in Columbia last year. They got their first lead in that game with four minutes to play. And if you go and look, Missouri last season, they didn't get blown out in any SEC game except for the game against Tennessee, who had probably the best offense in the SEC last year before, as I mentioned, Hinton Hooker got hurt. But even in their wins, they were tight. Their losses were tight. It did not matter who they played. They could have played Vanderbilt, the worst team in the league. They could have played Georgia, the best team in the league. They were close games nonetheless. So K-State has to go in there. They're going to need a big Will Howard performance, slinging the ball, getting all of his receivers involved, which seems like he's going to have a full stable, probably more snaps for Keegan Johnson. Jaden Jackson's been good to start the year. Phillip Brooks, consistent, just had one of the best games of his career receiving the ball. Eli Drinkwitz, for whatever reason, thinks that Phillip Brooks is the key to the K-State offense, or at least K-State, how they they operate. I mean, Phillip Brooks is good, big part of the team. I hate to to inform Eli Drinkwitz of this a day before the game, but uh, Phillip Brooks may not be the most integral part to the K-State scoring attack, if, if you're really thinking about it. But hey, believe what you want to believe. 
on the other side of the ball, it's going to come down to corner play for the Wildcats. You're going to need Jacob Parrish and Will Lee to step up. They are, in all likelihood, your two biggest playmakers in the secondary at this point in time. They are going to be the ones that are given the burden of guarding Luther Burden, who... If you remember last year, a highly touted freshman, they also had Dominic Lovett, who is a good receiver. He's since transferred to Georgia. Both guys that, hey, you've got to be worried about these guys if we're, if we're K-State. Missouri hardly got them the ball. They really struggled with doing that last year. And if you go and look, the first 12 games of Luther Burden's college career, a five-star receiver, he did not catch more than six balls in a game. But since that point, his last three games, so go back to their bowl game against Wake Forest last year in the first two games of this season. He has caught seven seven balls twice, eight balls once, and in each game he's been over at least 90 yards. So Luther Burden is more involved in this Missouri offense. They understand that, and if K-State can lock down Luther Burden, they will have a good go of it. That's why it's up to Jacob Parrish and Will Lee, who had his first interception as a cat in the first interception of the season for K-State last week against Troy. Now, as as long as you handle Burden, I feel pretty good about what K-State can do there. And the other thing that K-State has to do successfully in this game, you're going to say, oh, well, you said the run earlier. Yes, I mean, that would be great. But again, I'm not banking on that. This ties back into Will Howard, but K-State has to pass the ball efficiently and well to set up the run game. So if the run is getting stuffed early because you're trying to establish that as 1A, Throw the ball as well as you can, and then once you start doing some things in the passing game, make Missouri think about it a little bit more. That will open up the run game as well. Take a little bit of pressure off of this offensive line that is struggling right now. All right, one final key to this game before I move into some predictions. 24 points is the key number here. This has been something that has been talked about a lot. Derek Young and I talked about it on the KSO show earlier this week. You have to be able to score 24 points against Missouri. The Tigers do not score 24 points in games that they that they go on to lose. Like it's just a proven fact. 24 is the magic number. If you go back and you look at last season, opponents to score 24 points against Missouri, Louisiana Tech, Missouri won that game. Uh, other games, K State lost. Uh, Missouri only scored 12. They, they scored 14 in their loss to Auburn. They scored 22 in their loss to Georgia. They scored 17 in their loss to Florida. Those points that they gave up in those games, 17, 26, 24. And it's just, it's tough sled in Kentucky. They lost 21 to 17. 24 is the magic number. The only time that they have scored 24 points against a power five opponent when Eli Drinkwitz has been there and won the game was their game against Arkansas last season, 29 to 27. So, That is the magic number for K-State. And here's the thing. I think it will be a close game at half. This is a better Missouri team than what K-State saw last year. Also, it's not going to be pouring down rain like it was a season ago and weird scenarios that played out there. It will be semi-close at halftime. I think K-State probably has the edge, but it will be close. And I brought it up earlier. Eli Drinkwitz thinks that Phillip Brooks is the straw that serves this drink at K-State. Prove him right, Phillip Brooks. Prove him right. Brooks took a a punt back for a touchdown right after the delay last year. Come out after halftime, same type of deal. A little break in the action, Phillip Brooks, another touchdown, get the tone started. So I'm I'm picking Phillip Brooks for a kick return touchdown, whether it's off the kick, the punt, Brooks is gone for a touchdown. I think the Cats win at 31-13. It's going to be close for a little bit longer than expected, but 
boy, I don't think Missouri's quarterback situation is figured out. I, I do not believe in Brady Cook, and I think K-State will get to him with their pass rush, and Will Howard is going to have to come out, show that he's the quarterback that everybody expected, but I think the Cats take it 31-13. to All right, that'll do it for me. I'm Mason Voth. If you uh, didn't catch that from Scott leading into this, you may think, hey, this guy's had thousands of jobs over the last three years. Yes, that is absolutely right. In the last three years, I have had three different employers, but I am here to stay now, and I am with the leader in K-State coverage on the internet, K-State Online, part of the On3 Network. So excited to be with KSO, and uh, follow along. You can hit me up on Twitter, at TheRealMasonV, whether it's K-State, Royals takes, I hate those guys, or my food reviews. Uh, I need some positive comments after uh, after last week. The the KU fans in my mentions did not like my food review at Memorial Stadium last week when I went to the KU-Illinois game on Friday night. And then be sure to check out K-State Online as well as our YouTube and podcast platforms where the KSO show, four days a week now. You are getting four KSO shows a week, plus we instantly upload Chris Kleiman's press conference from post game and midweek stuff as well as players and everything else so it is a one-stop shop for k-state coverage i know i went longer than what scott wanted me to but i get to talking i love being on bosco's boys and uh hopefully i'm able to bring another win for the wildcats and if it happens look there was no cheering in the press box that i remember last year in manhattan and I could pick out times that I remember cheering in media events because I think it's hilarious when it happens and somebody you know gets yelled at. It did not happen last year to my recollection, uh, but I can guarantee you that there will be a sarcastic cheer from me if K-State wins this game on Saturday. I will do something that will guarantee a negative tweet popped off from the Missouri media mafia. So that is also a bold prediction for Saturday. I will do something to piss off Missouri media. There you go. And thank you to Mason for the K-State side of the primer for this Friday whip around. Uh, And folks, I have a treat for you. Usually I don't talk on these primers, but I wanted to talk to this individual. I've never been so excited to have someone on to talk about the opponent. He is, in my opinion, the most entertaining man in sports talk in Kansas City. He is probably the most loved man on sports talk in Kansas City, throwing out first pitches, being, you know, having standing conversations with the mayor, with Patrick Mahomes himself. But Missouri fans hate him because he thinks Mizzou should come back to the Big 12. KU fans hate him because, well, he just likes to get under their skin. And K-State fans hate him because he hates Byron Pringle. I'm putting all that to the side. I want to talk to the man, the myth, the legend, the best voice in Kansas City Radio, C. Harrison Carrington over at 610. Carrington, thank you so much for making time to chat with me. Uh, How are you doing? And, uh, you know, when's the last time you came on a random fan podcast to talk about Mizzou versus K-State? (laughs) <laughs> I don't think I've actually ever come on a random fan podcast to talk about Missoula K-State. I'm happy to come on anybody's podcast. I remember back when I was in college, I remember reaching out to people to come on my podcast when I was doing it, so I'm happy to do it. I don't know why you have to bring up, bring up the Byron Pringle stuff. I love K-State. I went to the MU-K-State game last year in Manhattan. I had a great time other than the game and the weather, but the Manhattan people showed me nothing but love. 
I just want K-State fans to acknowledge that I was right about Byron Pringle. He is an average to below average NFL wide receiver that we were hyping up because he played for the Chiefs. And, you know, if he would have been on the team last Sunday, the Chiefs would have won. But we don't have to hash all that out. You know, I, I, I'm super happy to have you on. Before we talk about the game on Saturday so I can get uh, a Mizzou fan's take, someone who might give us a little bit more insight on what's going on in Columbia. Uh, for K-State fans who might be making their first trip out to Columbia maybe ever, maybe the first time in over a decade, where is one spot that, hey, I, I, I'm i 32. I graduated from K-State almost 10 years ago at this point. I don't need to be mixing it up with the college kids. But if you're going to tell people of my ilk, hey, you know, maybe check this out Friday evening. Hey, Saturday after the game. What is one? What are one or two Columbia hot spots that, you know, if you don't want to be mixing up with the children, the kids still in school, where should they check out? That's a great question. I'm a big CJ's Wings fan. That's always a stop that I hit up whenever I go to Columbia. I'll give you three places. Shakespeare Pizza, tried and true. Everybody loves Shakespeare's Pizza. I would also say Booch's. It's downtown as well. We're talking about some small White Castle-style sliders. Now, you got to pay in cash, and it's kind of getting how you fit in, but it's always great hospitality. The food is good. The burgers is good. Maybe you stop by, get yourself some trops. Get you a to-go drink if you're going to hit uh, hit up Columbia. There's a there's a couple of nice eating places. Good thing about this game is it's early in the morning. So you can get yourself a good breakfast. And around 2.30, 3 o'clock, you got the whole afternoon to kind of enjoy Columbia. I'm going to be checking out those the, the wing spot. I love wings, uh, so I'm glad you brought that up. Let, let's get into it, though. I don't think I have ever seen a fan base. And again, I'm from the outside. I'm only seeing what happens on Twitter. I see message board genius screen grab. So again, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't feel like I've ever seen a fan base kind of, you know, not pass the vibe check, be so down after starting two and O is it just, Hey, Missouri didn't handle business. Like fans thought they would in those first two games. Walk me through the vibe check of what's going on with Missouri fans right now. We are in year four of Eli Drinkwitz, and we just haven't seen any progression. I mean, the best year that Missouri had with Drinkwitz was that first year. You remember that was in COVID 2020. Missouri had a couple impressive wins, actually beat LSU at home. A lot of people were optimistic. That team finished 500. There was a hope. There was an optimism that they were going to take a big step forward. They just simply haven't taken a step forward. There was a lot of hope and optimism around this individual season. But they seem to be the exact same team that they were last year. I think their defense is one of the top 20, 25 in the country. Their offense has the exact same problems as they had a year ago when they played the same K-State program. What frustrates me as a fan is I see how disciplined K-State is. K-State has a clear identity that comes from their head coach. He knows exactly who he is. The fan base knows exactly who they are. Everybody is on the same page. I just don't get that vibe from Eli Drinkwitz. I'm sure you're going to ask me at some point about the Colin Klein. Not knowing who the offensive coordinator is for a team that you played last season that absolutely gave you the the absolute beats, that just signifies everything that's currently wrong with Missouri and him as a head coach. There is a overall lack of attention to detail. So I I wasn't going to ask about that, but since he brought it up, do you truly think he doesn't know who Colin Klein was, or do you think he was trying to do a bit? I almost kind of think that Eli Drinkwitz is, you know, a, a failed, you know, comedian, comedian, and he kind of does different bits during his press conferences. Do you really think he didn't know who Colin Klein was? 
I don't think he knows who the offensive coordinator is for Kansas State, and that's frustrating for a couple different reasons. They were looking for an offensive coordinator last year, and I don't think that Colin Klein was going to leave Kansas State to take the Missouri job. I at least would like you to have made the phone call. Kansas State was one of the top 15 teams in the country last year. I would at least have liked for you to reach out. It's not the time to be making jokes when you beat Middle Tennessee 23-19 to at home. That's not the time to get your Eddie Murphy on, your Dave Chappelle, your Dane Cook. That ain't the time to be cracking jokes. I don't want to hear that. So maybe he was. Maybe I just missed it. The joke went over my head. But showing disrespect to an opponent that beat you down last season just doesn't seem like a winning proposition. My issue with Eli Drinkwitz is so far at Missouri, it has been way more sizzle than steak. It's been more headlines about whether it's holding up a sign at the KU game or the Colin Klein incident or these things that just have nothing to do with winning football games. There are more of those kind of stories than you being impressed with how they play each and every Saturday. Let's get into the game. I think K-State fans know who Luther Burden is, one of the top recruits in his recruiting class, maybe even number one by a couple of the sites. K-State fans saw him in game number two last year of his college career. How has he developed over the last you know year plus one week, and what should K-State fans be dialing in uh, on Saturday when they see him running out there for the Tigers? Luther Burden has lived up to the expectation. He's been phenomenal so far this year. 15 catches, 213 yards, had a touchdown in the first game. He had an incredible throw in the, excuse me, an incredible catch in the first game of the season. I think Burden has been as advertised. The problem with their offenses, it just simply lacks any imagination and pushing the ball down the field. It is that same dink and dunk screen play, and you can get away with that against an FCS opponent like South Dakota. You can get away with that to some extent against Middle Tennessee. I don't think they're good enough offensively to be able to get away with those things against a disciplined team like Kansas State. So, sure, Burden's going to be a major plus in this game. Are you going to be able to control the line of scrimmage and run the football effectively with Schrader and Pete? Are you going to be able to get another receiver going? So, this year... Luther Burden has 213 yards receiving. Second place for Missouri has 83 yards. It's basically been either throw the ball to Luther or we just don't really have a passing attack. If you're Kansas State and you take that away on Saturday, is Missouri going to be able to get Makai Miller involved? Are they going to be able to get Mookie Cooper involved? Are they going to be able to get some of the other weapons to kind of get this offense jump-started? So the other thing again, maybe, maybe I'm I'm looking too deep into the uh, corners of fandom on Twitter. Some folks are running with a theory that hey, Cook has been trotted out there for the first two games, and there's going to be you know wool over the eyes, and we're going to see Horn on Saturday playing quarterback for Missouri. Uh, do you expect that? Is there going to be any change? Or hey, is this Brady Cook's team uh, for better or worse or out rest of the season? Those people are lying to themselves to make themselves feel better. There is a serious divide right now with Missouri fans because Sam Horn was the, he was the golden ticket. He was the meal ticket. He was a top 75 recruits on rivals, a four-star quarterback. He played with Travis Hunter when he was in high school. He was supposed to be the answer to their quarterback problems. They still have the exact same quarterback problem. They just don't have the quarterback. Sam Horn has thrown seven passes in his college football career. I mean, Brady, Brady Cook so far this year has thrown every meaningful pass for the Missouri Tigers. I do not see a scenario, barring injury. Maybe Brady Cook is hurt, and I just don't know it going into this game. But uh, the only chance I think Brady, or the only chance I think Sam Horn gets into the game is Brady Cook is incredibly inefficient or gets injured. But there is not a chance to me that Sam Horn plays in any other scenario. 
Let's flip to the defensive side of the ball. I think there's some future pros there. I think there's some guys who are going to be first team all SEC. If you're telling fans to dial in and kind of focus in on one or two guys on Saturday that will be wearing, I'm guessing gold jerseys because, you know, the notifications I'm getting from the Mizzou app where I bought my ticket says wear gold. So I'm guessing gold jerseys. Uh, who should Who should fans be dialed in on that side of the ball? I mean, defensively, Missouri, I think, is actually really, really strong. You've got Darius Robinson. You've got a really strong secondary. Like, I think they have one of the better secondaries in the country. I think the problem is, at least when you're talking about Missouri as a whole, is you're asking your defense to do too much. Last week, you put your defense in a lot of really bad spots that you and I both watch college football. It's just not realistic to think that you're beating teams consistently 24 to 20. Like, you're going to need to be able to score points you're going to be you're going to need to be able to sustain drives and that's been the biggest problem with the team. Their defense is solid. Their defense can take the ball away, they can get after the quarterback. I think their defense is good enough. Their offense has just been such a major problem for this team. All right, so if Missouri is going to pull off the upset which the number's only at four and a half, uh which is kind of giving me a little pause as a K-State fan, you know, what 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 does Vegas know that I don't? But if Missouri is going to walk away with the victory, what is going to be the key to that? What's that game going to look like? I actually don't think you can pick Missouri other than they're at home. Like, that's the only advantage that I think that Kansas or that Missouri has over Kansas State in this matchup. I just haven't seen Missouri enough be a team that has a better coach that's undeniable and Chris Kleiman against Eli Drinkwitz, also the team with the better quarterback and a team that's going to be more disciplined. The one thing you and I both know about K-State is K-State's not going to beat themselves. They could very easily lose this game, but it's going to be because Missouri plays exceptionally well, not because K-State plays poorly. So I just haven't seen a game against a good team like I believe K-State is where MU plays an A-minus game and really goes out there and dominates. Something normally happens. A receiver runs a wrong route. They have a turnover at the wrong time. I mean, last year, Missouri could have beat Georgia at home. They had Georgia on the ropes. And they just made too many mistakes in the second half of that game that ultimately cost them. I understand why Missouri fans have had this game circled. Hell, I've had it circled. It wasn't fun driving 7 o'clock in the morning to Manhattan, sitting in the rain and watching your team get the ass whooped. So I've been, I've had this game circled on my calendar since that. I want my payback. I can't wait to see it. I just can't realistically pick Missouri. I'm with you. I'm surprised that the number is as low as it is, to be completely honest with you about it. I mean, last week, you remember when I tweeted out, when you could have got it at K-State minus one, that was the time to jump in. Now's not the time to do so. It was the time to get it last week. But, I mean, if you're asking me to pick a side here, Missouri has to prove to me that they can beat a team like Kansas State. Until proven otherwise, I'm always going to pick against Missouri in this spot. I think K-State wins this game rather comfortably. I think they win 34-17. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, I hope you're not just kind of setting things up and, and just kind of trying to lure me in with this uh, confidence because, you know, I, I was a lot more confident before I saw all the books open up and e even seeing it move back to Missouri. It's, something stinks here. I, I'm picking K-State too, but something stinks and I, I'm trying to figure out what it is. Yeah, I don't know what it is either. I'm a big believer that if you're betting on college football, the time to take advantage is a non-conference play. People kind of go off conference affiliation, et cetera. They know some teams better than other teams. Like if you really want to take advantage of the books, college non-conference is the time to do so. This line just doesn't really make any sense to me. K-State is better than Missouri in just about every fashion. And with the way that Missouri's offense is played, I just don't trust them to be able to score enough. 
to win this game. So you and I are on the same side. Like, I'm not here to be fake optimistic. I'm here to give you my honest opinion. This is a game that if I had to bet it. Now, I'm not betting it. I'm going to be cheering for my Tigers. I'm wearing the black and gold. I want them to win. I just can't pick them to win on Saturday. All right, I'm going to get out of here with uh, two more questions, not uh, specifically on this game. But what record needs to occur for Eli Drinkwitz to be back next year? Or is that recruiting class that he's lining up, once again, an elite recruiting class, going to be enough that just about anything could happen? He's going to be there for 2024. I think they have to at least get to seven. I think it's going to be really hard to sell Missouri fans if they win six games this year. I mean, this feels like a swing game for Missouri. So they played South Dakota, Middle Tennessee. They won those first two games. They got K-State on Saturday. After this, they have uh, two more games before they play LSU October 7th. They have Memphis and Vanderbilt. So I look at this as being a really important swing game. Let's say they pull off the upset and they win on Saturday against K-State. You should be 5-0 and heading into that game against LSU. You're undefeated at home. I would hope that that game is at night or maybe a 2-30 game where the optimism is going to be incredibly high. We can maybe start to dream a little bit if they can win this game. But if what I think is going to happen happens, they get handled in this game. They beat Memphis. They beat Man- uh, Vanderbilt. They're 4-1 going into the game against LSU, but they don't really have any uh, quality win. You can just see them just having another ass season. The frustration with me is just we haven't seen any progression from Missouri. Sure, they are recruiting well on rivals. That only gets you so far. That's just not necessarily translating on Saturday into the product that I'm seeing on the field. So at some point, those two things have to intersect. You have to hand me something. You have to hand me a really impressive home win against K-State or you pull off an upset against LSU, a team that you think can win nine games this season. You got to beat Tennessee at home, a team that has stumped you these last couple of years. They're just it, it, it has been a while since we've had that signature moment from Eli Drinkwitz. 2020 in the fake COVID season, that feels like a long time ago. Final question. You've been very uh, open and vocal about liking games like this, even saying, hey, Missouri, come back to the Big 12 like Colorado did. Missouri fans did not like that. And I don't think that's realistic happening. But the first non-con sellout since 2012, first true sellout since 2019. I know Missouri has Illinois, Missouri, and KU on the schedule uh, in the future. Do you think that, hey, the fact that there is so much excitement around this game, getting folks into Columbia for this game, do you think that's going to change future football non, uh, non-con scheduling to include more of those games? I know, hey, it's like a decade out before K- Missouri has another opening. I think K-State's in the same boat. Do you? But do you hope that, hey, folks are watching, folks are listening, we get more of these games in the future for college football? I mean, I certainly hope so. I mean, I would say one of the greatest lies about conference realignment, just like in baseball, and I know it's a side point, <clears throat> excuse me, is – Owners have convinced fans that losing is the path to winning in baseball. Hey, we got to tank. We got to lose these games in order for us to be good. Conference realignment has made fans care how much their school makes. Like, we never hear how much these schools spend. Like, I imagine Missouri spends more now than they spent in the Big 12. All we hear is how much more money that they've made. How has that made cheering for football more enjoyable for me or you, the fan? I think that it's made football less enjoyable, if I'm being honest with you. There is a reason why these games resonate. They're easy to go to. If you're like me and you live in Kansas City, it's easy to make the drive to Manhattan, Kansas to watch your team. It's easy to make the drive to Lawrence or Iowa State. Like 
college football and college athletics as a whole was better when it was regional, when it felt like a community. We have abandoned all of that. And for what? We've abandoned all that for television dollars. We've abandoned all of that for a possible seat at the college football playoff. I just don't really like the direction that college athletics is going in. And it just feels very counter to everything that we love and appreciate about college football. There's a reason why this matchup works. There's going to be a lot of K-State fans there. You and I both know that. There's going to be a lot of Missouri fans there. It's sold out. The energy, the buzz, the excitement, the hype for it. It's because it feels regional. It reminds us of what college football used to be. I'm happy these two teams are playing. I'm happy Missouri is picking up the series with Illinois. I'm happy they're playing Kansas in a couple of years. College football should have more of these games, not less of them. That's all I have. Thank you so much for your time, Carrington. Of course, everyone knows where they can find you on the radio, but I'll make you plug it anyways. And also, if you want to plug your uh, – I love your movie uh, podcast, you know. I'm glad you you, you kind of dumped on High School Musical, the one that I wanted to hear you guys do back in the summer. Uh, you know, if you want to plug that as well, do that, uh, and then uh, I'll let you get on with your day. I wasn't a I wasn't a hater on High School Musical. Oh, you, you were hating on some of the best music that Disney has ever put out. Move over Lion King soundtrack. High School Musical is where it's at. I don't know why we're lying on this podcast. Oh, that I, is I, a lie I, because I love the Lion King. <laughs> I, 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 that's my favorite. I, all right, time out. I said final question since I brought up Lion King in Disney movies. Are you a fan of these new realistic uh, animal remakes and all these remakes of the classic animated stuff? I think it's hit or miss to be real with you about it. Like I love the Lion King the way that every 90s kid loves the Lion King. I hated the live action remake, but I love the Aladdin one. I liked Beauty and the Beast. You know, one that I thought was really good, Jungle Book. I thought the Jungle Book one was very underrated. I don't think people give the Jungle Book remake nearly enough credit. I'm a fan of it. See, I don't really mind remakes. Like, it doesn't really take away from the original to me. Like, I love White Men Can't Jump. This new one that they did with Jack Harlow doesn't make the opening scene from the original any less funny. It's still an incredible movie. So I don't mind when studios and Hollywood does these remakes. I don't, I don't have much of a problem with it. High School Musical was fine. I just don't like musicals. Like You and I are having a conversation. One of us is just not going to break in a song about the game. That's just not how people are. That's just not how people communicate. That's why musicals have always been a disconnect for me. But it wasn't a bad movie by any way. I actually liked the movie when they were talking. I just didn't like it when they were singing. Well, I, I love it. I, I love everything that you're doing. Like I said, I, I think the most entertaining sports talk in Kansas City. And for a guy who's a Missouri fan, his sidekick is a Jayhawk. I think you guys talk more K-State than any other show on either station. So I appreciate that. And you guys are the Kansas City home for the Wildcats. So uh, it makes a, it makes a little bit of sense. I just, you know what, K-State, they're super easy to work with. Their staff has always shown us a lot of love. Chris Kleiman's going to be on the show this week. Will Howard's going to be on the show this week. Some programs, and I'm not going to say, they give you the runaround and they make it far more difficult. I would love to talk to Brady Cook. I'd love to talk to Jalen Daniels. I'd love to talk to Will Howard. We're talking about sports in Kansas City. I want to talk to the most important athletes. K-State has always been good to us, so I'm happy to talk about K-State. That's why I tell you, I don't have any issues with K-State. I don't have any issues with their fans. The 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 program has been great to me. They've been great to the show. I got nothing but love for Manhattan. Every time I've gone to Manhattan, I've had a phenomenal time. Well, thank you again for uh, coming on for our Friday Whip Around show. If anyone missed any of those uh, great uh, K-State segments, Will hire Chris Kleiman. 
Uh, they can find the, uh, you know, you guys on Apple podcasts as well. That's how I listen to you guys. I listen to you and Rob on two X speed every single day. So I'm getting through your four hour show in only two hours. So uh, you sound good in one X just here. Talk to you as well. I can't imagine listening to me in two X. That has to be a very tiring experience. Hey, no, I, I'm addicted to podcast, sports talk, radio, all that type of stuff. So that's that way I can just listen to more. So I think you're good in two X as well. Scott, I appreciate you, man. Anytime you want me to come on, man, I'm happy to do it. You got it. Hopefully we're playing each other in a big bowl game here in a couple of years, you know, down in the Cotton Bowl. Well, I mean, you guys are going to win more than <laughs> six games. So I don't think the K-State and Missouri are playing bowl games anytime soon. Well, there you go. Thanks again for coming on. See you guys. Appreciate it. And that was a fun conversation with CDOT. Now, before we go over to Brandon Phoenix of the Raspy Voice Kids to get you guys ready to sing Country Roads as the Backyard Brawl returns to Morgantown, West Virginia, I want to just talk about Charlie Hustle and Manhattan Brewing Company real quick because there has never been a better combination to help bring you guys not only the Friday whip around, but shows five days a week here at Bosco's Boys. Charlie Hustle, look, if you want to be cheering for any other Big 12 team, if you want to go all in on the Big 12, guess what? They have just about every single school in the conference. If you know, some people collect mini helmets for the conference. No, you need to be collecting the helmet t-shirts of the Big 12 conference, and they have you covered at Charlie Hustle. You guys have heard me talk about, hey, it's almost crew neck season. Hey, get yourself a K-State crew neck and then pick, hey, you know, I'm not telling you to cheer for another school, but check out the other helmet tees. You might just find one that you want to throw in your closet just in case your buddies invite you to Lawrence for a KU game and you don't want to be cheering for KU. Throw on throw on that West Virginia helmet tee. Throw on that Texas Tech helmet tee. Check it out. If not, only for yourself, for gifts as well. It's going to be the holiday season before you know it. And, of course, Manhattan Brewing Company. Townie Wheat, the official tailgate beer of the season. Look, folks, I'm going to be taking some Townie Wheats. I'm going to be taking some tasty IPAs across state lines over into Missouri to hang out with my buddies in Columbia. Maybe I might even try to sneak a couple into the stadium because I tell you what, nothing pairs better with football than Manhattan Brewing Company beer. Check them out. If you're not going to uh, Columbia, get down to downtown Manhattan. Get down to points. Watch the game. Take in the scenes, the sights, the sounds at Manhattan Brewing Company. Check them out. I promise you will not be disappointed. All right, we're going to go to the Raspy Voice Kids to kind of get a little bit of a preview for that backyard brawl. Bosco boys what up Bosco boys nation I don't even know exactly what y'all call the people that listen to your show I can't remember but uh Bosco boys nation sounds good to me because I like the Bosco boys y'all dope for real y'all dope as can be for the whip around I love it I love that y'all are featuring the backyard brawl 
And when I say I, I mean me, Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pitt. Because no matter what you know about me, you need to know that I also hate Pitt. That will come in handy in one moment. I am one half of the Raspy Voice Kids. That is my, me and my brother, my partner in crime, Jeremy J. Fiend Phoenix. We do a show called the Raspy Voice Kids Podcast. We cover all things West Virginia University and beyond, including pop culture, pop culture. So if you get a chance, you should check us out. But in the meantime, in between time, I'm going to hit y'all with what we really got going on this week. This week is hate week. It's all about the backyard brawl. It's all about the Mountaineers' disdain for those Panthers up I-79 to the north coming from Pittsburgh. You need to understand that this is not a little bit of hatred. This is full-on, all-out hate. Cannot stand them. Loathe those Panthers from PA. We hate them because they're pathetic. In their own city, they don't even play second fiddle. They don't play third fiddle. At best, they play fourth fiddle. Behind the Steelers, the Penguins, Penn State. And then maybe you could argue that they're the Pitt Panthers coming in fourth. Maybe if you don't give the Pirates the advantage over them. In their own city, that's where they lie. That's where they land. Whereas in West Virginia, nothing is bigger than the brand of the West Virginia Mountaineers. And beyond, nationally, no question, that flying WV and the old golden blue means so much more than that wimpy growling panther could ever mean. Go check the ratings of the Pitt vs. Cincy game that was on the CW last week. You heard me right. The CW. But I digress. The Panthers are pathetic. And if I'm being honest, my Mountaineers aren't much better. In fact, Vegas has the Panthers as a two-point favorite this week in a game that's being played at Milan Pushkar Stadium on Mountaineer Field. I think West Virginia wins because Pitt's run defense is garbage. And West Virginia has a mobile quarterback in Garrett Green, a bevy in backs led by C.J. Donaldson, Phil Jerkovic, Jerkovic, sorry, I said it wrong by accident. The quarterback for the Panthers is not very good. And Pat Narduzzi, the coach for the Panthers, is not much better. But it's really, if we're being honest, a battle of mid. A battle of mediocrity. This is probably not going to be the prettiest game you ever did see. What it's going to be is a battle of grit, a battle of determination, a battle of passion. It's a just a it's a full-blown rivalry. It's like Kansas State and Mizzou. They hate us, and we hate them. Just like you hate them, and they hate you. And it will go down in Morgantown. It's going to be a rowdy, raucous affair. It's going to be a nasty, knockdown, drag-out battle. 
Because we've been playing them for a very long time. And we've been hating them for a very long time. Starting on October 26, 1895, when West Virginia went out and beat them 8 to nothing, up until this day, this is the way. I have made the argument on multiple occasions that sports is about hate. And think about this. People will often say it's about the love of the game. It's about the love of the game. No. Sports is about hate. Think about this. How many teams do you love? How many teams do you love? You love one team in college football. But how many teams do you hate? That's right. I hate entire conferences. I hate entire conferences. Sports is about hate. And there is no hate greater than the hatred I have for Pitt. There is no hate greater than that is found in the backyard brawl. There is no hate greater than that which will be seen on Saturday, September 16th in Morgantown on Mountaineer Field when the Panthers line up to play the Mountaineers. And I hope for my sake and the sake of my son who will be attending his first backyard brawl, you will hear the sounds of John Denver as we sing Country ho- country Roads and they take us home to victory. And thank you to... My guy, Mr. Phoenix. I love the raspy voice, kids. If you want some more Big 12 content, if you want West Virginia content, that is the only place to go. They just had a show with uh, new head coach of the, or interim coach of the West Virginia Mountaineers, Josh Eilert, who is a K-State grad who was on some of those, uh, I think he was on the Bob Huggins staff and then left with him for West Virginia. So go check that out. Folks, that's all we have for this show. No Wildcat Roundup this week because I didn't want it to go, you know, 120 or hour 20, hour 30 this week. Uh, volleyball did get back on the winning track with a sweep over Long Island on Thursday. They are playing on Friday. K-State soccer, as of time recording, uh, tied with Cincinnati in the Big 12 opener uh, at halftime. Uh, and then also right, uh, you know, as I'm putting this together, it sounds like, um, K state basketball, probably finding their 13th member. Uh, I, I don't know if we've touched on it or not. Will McNair, it sounds like he is about to commit and make it public coming to K state. We'll probably touch on that a little bit on Tuesday as well. So I hope you guys are all ready for this big game out in Columbia. If, if everyone or whoever's driving out to Columbia, drive safe, be safe, be on the lookout. I will be there. I think I'll be at the Alumni Association event at Broadway Brewery uh, beforehand. <laughs> Honestly, I don't even think I'm going to be able to bring myself to drink any beer there uh, because I'll just be dreaming of Manhattan Brewing Company. I might have to sneak a couple cans in myself um but don't but don't tell don't tell on me 
Um, so shout out to Manhattan Brewing Company. Shout out to Charlie Hustle as well. Uh, and shout out to you guys, the Boneheads. Absolutely love you guys. Um, shout out to Brandon Phoenix uh, from Raspy Voice Kids giving the Big 12 game of the week. Shout out to C. Harrison of 610 Sports for chatting with me. Shout out to Drew Galloway of K-State Online for chatting with me for Cat Chats. And, of course, Mason Voth of K-State Online giving us the K-State Primer. So, of course, check out K-State Online. They're sure, they sure helped out the Friday whip around this week. Um, and we love you guys. Be a friend. Tell a friend. Uh, tell someone something nice. So if you're listening this long into the podcast, uh, I'm going to challenge you to make someone's day, say something nice, uh, call your parents, tell them you love them. Uh, Mom and dad, if you're listening, I love you. Chauncey and I love you. Uh, So just put a little positivity in the world on this Friday because Saturday is going to be pure hate. So for Chauncey, the best dog in the world, for all my friends who helped me out on this whip around, we love you guys. And we hate Mizzou and go cats. Hail to the purple, hail to the white, wildcat in spirit, wildcat in fight. Hail alma mater from sea to sea. UK State Wildcats form alma mater fights. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be a fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. UK State Wildcats for alma mater fight.
Sports Social Podcast Network.